this baffles me. So Warner Brothers cancels Batgirl last year, saves them around $115 million on taxes. They're already in debt. Shazam 2 felt like, I, 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 this is just my opinion, but if they had let him sacrifice himself at the end, not had the Gal Gadot scene, I would have liked this movie better. What's going on, comic book movie fans? My name is Jonathan. This is Comic Book Cinema. Today, I'm excited about the guest that I have on the show. We have Mr. Bone Bridger. I don't know his real name. I'm pretty sure his uh, real name might be Bone Bridger. And uh, we also have Dan the Man. What's going on, Dan? How you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Absolutely wonderful. And this is my brother-in-law, Dacey. We actually went to see this film together in theaters. And I kind of have a rule that I try not to break. We try not to conversate about these films too much together before we review them. So as we were walking out of the theater, we just kind of had our hands in our pockets and we looked at each other and we we're like, yep. <laughs> just walked out of the theater. <laughs> what did you guys think about the family and their role in the film versus the first film, I guess we could say as well? Oh, You're muted. Muted all the curse words I just yelled at. Can you hear me now? <laughs> <laughs> the family is where I'm most disappointed in this film because I like the characters and I like the kids and I really like the foster family, but we spend so little time developing like the foster mom, foster dad, and them. I wanted more of the emotional payoff. That's my, that's my biggest complaint with this movie. You did get a little bit more of the family. It felt like at least it's been a while since I saw the first one, but as far as the actors and actresses specifically, yeah, we probably could have gotten a little bit more from the mom and dad. Like towards the end of the film, we got a little bit more of their emotional tie to Billy Batson. But as far as the casting, I mean, they knocked it out of the park, man. I, I absolutely love the girl that plays Darla and how she is so much like the adult version of Darla is so much like the kid version of Darla. And she still has that heart. She saves the kittens first. Mm -hmm. And then goes back to save the the people, you know, when it comes to that type of stuff, I enjoyed it. It's a really large cast of characters. So in a light movie, we got a little extra for Mary. I feel like this time, as opposed to the first time she, she was delved in a little bit deeper. Freddie is like the front runner. He gets the most time out of anybody. But when you're going to dive deeper into Mary, have a lot for Freddie. The others are just kind of like space filler. You don't get a lot. I mean, they, they throw in a little, like a couple character beats for the rest of them, but the rest of them are just there to show you it's a large group, <laughs> you know? But I really enjoyed the stuff with Mary. Freddie is as good a character as, as Billy, I would think. And, you know, his Captain Every Power is really fun, how he's trying to act like he's the leader of the family. That That's fun. I enjoyed the family and I thought the the mom and dad, they were in the first movie more, I feel like, but they, the, the, where they were in it, it was good. It was really mm -hmm. good. I, I, I enjoyed them. I would agree that the cast again is so wide. So you only have such a limited time for that character development. I do feel like we got more than we did in the last one. Obviously I'm kind of on the same thing with, or should I say kind of back and forth with the mom and dad and how they tie in. I almost wonder if we didn't get the payoff until the end because of they're trying to kind of foreshadow that disconnect that Billy feels at the end of the movie. Like you get that payoff. Wait, 
no, I do love you. You're my son. So I wonder if they're kind of like trying to give you that throughout the movie where it feels like they're disconnected. I enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was just the characters themselves where uh, you had a little bit more individual time that they spent a little bit more time developing. So I, I thought that was absolutely great. I totally didn't expect to like Meryl Streep as a villain, as well as even Lucy Liu. But they really ended up doing, like, they impressed me more than the, I thought they would. Especially Meryl Streep. I, for me. You're talking about Helen Mirren? Helen Mirren. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Helen Mirren. Oh, Helen Mirren. Meryl Streep. Oscars. Yeah. You know. Davis <laughs> <Helen Mirren>. <laughs> When I think back to the Miss Marvel TV show, how they had a more older female antagonist, right? That never works for me typically, but. She pulled it off pretty well, and she was also kind of a redemptive villain at the end. Yeah, I thought she pulled it off, and Lucy Liu, I don't know how old that woman is. I probably should have Googled it before, but she still looks great. I just finished 1923. I was watching that, so I'm, I'm like on a big Helen Mirren appreciation kick. I, I, she's great. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to go back and watch any of that. What is it? Uh, she's famous for playing the queen and something. like. I can't get into that monarchy stuff, <laughs> But she's oh, yeah. great. I enjoyed I enjoyed her in this. The only thing about the villains is I don't I felt like there wasn't enough foreshadowing. I don't know if they earned the face turn for Helen Mirren's character. I, I, I didn't completely buy it, buy it. The motivations got kind of muddy when they started planning the face turn vibe like. All of a sudden, they get the the seed of life where they had felt like mustache twirling. We're going to destroy the world villains up until that point. Now they're having an argument like, no, we just wanted to restore our own realm. And I didn't get that up until then. That was the first point at which there was like, oh, no, we wanted to leave the human world alone and just be happy in our God realm. <laughs> they ran with that. I didn't feel like that had been all that established. I mean, I, I went ahead and went with it. It didn't ruin it for me, but I could see how some people would be like, well, I didn't see that coming at all. You just kind of have to just take it and run with it. I think that's my thing with this movie. Cause I, I left and I was like, I was like, okay, it was fun. Not great. Not great. Like maybe not terrible either. I, I felt, and then I started to think of why. And I think that is a good explanation of my problem is the villains didn't feel like they earned any of the things that happened with them, whether it was the menacing part and they're great actresses, which for me makes me really question what they did because it could have been even maybe even a little better, but at the end, and I just felt like it wasn't earned, but also I felt like they wasted an opportunity to have like a really emotional kind of strong ending. Like I'm not, I'm not against silly movies that are fun, but pay off big time, especially since you know, this, this is it, you know, like, you know dc's changing this is the final thing i i just really the sister thing i thought they could have paid played that off a little bit more was a little more emotional like she didn't want to turn on her sister after six thousand years something like that i don't know it just didn't want to be yeah. too critical because it is shazam too but at the same time yeah it could have gave lucy lou a little bit more pathos there you know mm -hmm. <laughs> a little bit more emotion turning on her sister it's that she became she stayed mustache twirling. She became like time to the train evil. Yeah, she did. <laughs> With no real explanation other than I hate everything and everyone <laughs> and want to destroy it all. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of goes back to what you're saying. Like I didn't really have, maybe that's part of the reason why I liked it a little more than I thought I would. 
is because I went into this movie with really low expectations, guys. Mm. Seriously. I, this is probably the first comic book movie in a while where I went to the theater, like not really wanting to go see it that bad. The only real reason that I went to go see this in theaters is because I have this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that we had to review it. I wasn't super excited about it. I didn't love the first one like a lot of people did. In fact, I thought this one was a little bit better than the first one. I know that's probably an unpopular opinion. Ooh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, You're going out on a limb on YouTube. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> the first one was fun, just like this one. Yeah. And some people kind of had the Thor 4 syndrome with this film when they compared it to the first one. They felt like it was the same thing, but a little more silly and goofy. And I can see that point, but I don't know. I, I just didn't really have that much of a problem with it. I think it was too silly. It was basically what I expected. Dang it, you won me over a little bit because you used the Thor 4 analogy. In my opinion, nothing is as bad as Thor 4, so now I have to like Shazam 2 more. <laughs> you should not have known me on the night Thor 4 came out. I was not a happy human being. See, and that's the thing. A lot of people didn't like that movie. My parents, even my parents who love the sillier, goofier comic book movies, they hated it. And I was shocked by that. I was like, you, you didn't like it at all. And my wife didn't like it either. But me personally, like it got you. I didn't hate it, <laughs> but yeah. I, I mean, I, I thought Thor 4 was just, it was fun. I hate to say that. I, 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 what I expect it. That... <laughs> yeah, I think I, about this all the time. I liked it. Do you guys think it was like why it resonated with you kind of in more of an enjoyable way? Is Thor like, where would you rank Thor for you guys? As a character? Yeah. Like, was he one of your favorites or was he like more of like. Not really. No. I mean, no, before just, I didn't know yeah, that much about Thor in the comics before that film yeah. came out or before any no, of the. Thor yeah, he's one out. of the Avengers. I'd read more about Thor reading Avengers comics and reading Thor comics. I, I've wondered yeah. that too. If like people get burned by certain movies or connect based on how much they love that character. Yeah. And yeah. I know somebody who was a hardcore Thor fan, like in 2008, 2007, but way before any Thor films came out, mm -hmm. he felt like they betrayed the character way earlier than any of the fans ever did. So mm, if that's the point you're coming from, maybe, you know, I can see why you would, but yeah, it's a goofy movie and it's Taika Waititi. But basically, it was just Thor Ragnarok on steroids is, is what I yeah. thought. Maybe that's my connection to the director is I loved Taika Watiki, especially when he was like an indie director. I was yeah. at a, actually at a film festival with his first movie ever debuted. I just loved him. And then I just felt like he took my favorite character and dunked <laughs> on him over and over and over. <laughs> but maybe that's just me. It's very possible. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think it is kind of circling around to the displeasing moments about this movie. Mm -hmm. Ragnarok was basically a reboot of the character. So I actually appreciated some of the different angles and the different takes that they took and kind of did some different character development with Thor. But then when four came out, it was such a letdown because it was like I was I literally left frustrated because I was like, everything doesn't need a pun. So right. like even with Shazam 2. I get that they're child characters who are with the power of Shazam. And like, I get that. I think there's a moment, there should be some type of moment where there's everything doesn't have to be based off of immaturity. I, I do understand that at the degree of, yes, they're going to act like kids. It's almost like even when the real big threats were happening, I didn't feel like something bad would really happen. Mm -hmm. Like everything was just kind of played <clears throat> off. I know there was that moment where uh, you leaned over and you said, I really don't know how they're going to get out of this. But like, I do know that there were moments like that because everyone except 
Billy had lost his powers based off of the maturity level of the group. Uh, he seemed to kind of lack the most wisdom, obviously. That was kind of the play. But at the same time, I do feel like it took a while to get to that chaotic moment. Like, if there's such a big threat, it did take a while. It took absolute pure calamity and chaos to actually get to that moment. That little window was probably the most enjoyable moment because it was actual danger and everything wasn't wrapped around just over humorous. Yeah. yeah, some people find those moments in films stressful. Back in the day, I dated someone that found those moments stressful. Like, oh, I hate, you know, like the, the moment on Rush Hour, you know, where Jackie Chan's about to fall on the bamboo stick and he's hanging out over the city streets. But me personally, yeah, I mean, I was just enjoying it because I was like every single other Shazam family member had had their powers taken away. And I was just, I'd leaned over to Daisy in the theater. I was like, how are they going to get out of this situation? Because literally Billy Batson was the only person that had powers at that point. And there was the self-sacrifice moment at the end of the film. We're kind of fast forwarding to the end of the film, but that's fine. And we also got that little cameo there. What did you guys think of the Gal Gadot cameo? And it's also, it's almost like it's even more confusing for casual fans at this point who are going to see these films, not knowing everything like we do, like our little bubble nose. Mm -hmm. We all know that this is all coming to an end really soon. Yeah. You, know, you got the Flash movie, you got uh, Blue Beetle and something else, I think. There's one more, the Aquaman 2. And that's oh, it. Oh, yes. Aquaman 2. And <laughs> it's insane to me that they, I don't know. Like, I mean, I guess at this point, they're just putting these movies out to make that cheddar cheese, which... From what I'm hearing, they're not making that much from Shazam so far. This baffles me. So Warner Brothers cancels Batgirl last year, saves them around $115 million on taxes. They're already in debt. Shazam 2 felt like, I, I, I this is just my opinion, but if they had let him sacrifice himself at the end, not had the Gal Gadot scene, I would have liked this movie better. Yeah, it would have been Because crazy. I know it's ending. Because I know that we're not getting Wonder Woman like that. Like it's... You're, it's like the Black Adam scene with Henry Cavill. You gave us something that's not happening. Yep. You, you teased yep. us, got us excited for something that we're never going to get. And I think that does brand damage in a lot of ways that, yeah, I mean, because you said this, the bubble of fans that are passionate towards these things, they are very passionate. And you you almost need to like, I don't know, that that's just my opinion, but because I know it's ending, I thought it was a cheap scene. I'd almost rather him just come back and just the family be with him, if anything. Uh, not that I don't, I love Wonder Woman. I think Gal Gadot was a great Wonder Woman, but yes. I'm not getting Wonder Woman. Or if I am, it's going to be real bizarre and I need questions answered as why we don't Henry Cavill, but we get Gal Gadot. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the, my biggest problem with everything that's going down is they're picking and choosing who they're keeping and letting go. You know, as far as I know, we are going to keep Gal Gadot. That was something that Henry, I mean, um, James Gunn tweeted. He was like, yeah, it might Gagano's not going anywhere. I'm like, okay, what? but we're losing Henry, and we're also losing Black yeah. Adam. That means you not... don't like Henry Cavill. Like, I wish they'd just say it. Well, wait. I was torn about this scene because as a scene on its own, mm -hmm. it was very enjoyable, right? Yeah. Right. I'll just get this out of the way real quick, and then i got to get back to what you – But And then the other thing is Shazam – we know that Shazam was always part of the DCEU. But the connections were so strenuous up into that point. They were so stretched. They were really mm -hmm. tenuous that you're ending that Snyderverse, right? And Shazam didn't have to be part of it because in the first one, all you had was Superman's waist. Mm -hmm. And up into this part of the movie, all you had was Wonder Woman's back. 
Mm-hmm. And so yeah. he's talking, you know, there is a Wonder Woman, you know, there is a Superman, but you don't know that it's that Wonder Woman and that Superman until Gal Gadot walks in. So it could always be not part. You could just be like, you know what? It wasn't part of that because it's kind of the same. I mean, the same batarangs that we see in the first Shazam film when he's in the toy store, the same version of Batman, the same back of Wonder but, Woman in this movie. But so, I get what you're saying. Yeah, though. I felt like the connections were about as strong as like Ang Lee's Hulk to the MCU or the Netflix shows, which they're keeping some of the people and getting rid of some of the people. They're saying like that was sort of part of it, but not really. Shazam could have kept going and not, but like once you have Gal Gadot, it is entrenched and now it is over. Mm-hmm. I thought they're really making this too confusing. How you can't keep, you can't get rid of Batfleck and Henry Cavill. And I mean, she was introduced in Batman v Superman. You can't <laughs> lose that Batman and that Superman and be like, oh, but that Wonder Woman is part of this universe. Yeah. <laughs> That's going on. That doesn't make If you're going to reboot, reboot everything. Give us yeah. a clean, completely clean slate. Yeah, no, but he's not going to recast his wife. He's not going to recast John Cena. He's not going to recast Waller. So he's his friends will get their roles. Yeah, this is something I think that's going to be explained in the Flash, and something by the end of that mm-hmm. film. And I could be wrong about this. Obviously, I don't know anything about the movie. I haven't seen it yet, <laughs> but. I think it's very possible by the end of that Flash film, we're going to be all as a fandom like, oh, okay, that's how they're doing it. You know, it's going to be something to do with time travel, alternate dimensions. Flash is going to screw stuff up. And I think he himself is going to be replaced by the end of that film. Oh, I hope so. Now, they'll win me over if that happens. You got to do that. That will be a win for me. In fact, if they end the movie like that, I'm on board from the get go. (laughs) (laughs) but then aquaman 2 comes out afterwards so i don't understand the order the schedule why not take the tax break this movie made 65 million worldwide with inflation and everything you're talking about 50 to 60 percent less than the first one did opening weekend and i'm sitting here like they had to know i I thought it was a streaming movie I, i i just don't think you should have expected audiences to pay money to go like i enjoyed going but every person probably was yeah. like i'll probably save the 20 30 40 bucks or whatever. well here's the thing though about yeah. it should have just been a streaming movie if they do that they're not going to make a fraction of what oh, they that's true make. too i get yeah. why they did that right as far as financials go right but at the same time you know like you're saying bone bridger it's not exactly great for their reputation you know it's and not the, and the fandom yeah. is if you're about to go through a complete reboot if James Gunn is at the helm now and you're about to start something fresh, I think I, I say this in our personal and professional life here, how you end something determines how you start something else. I, I love post credits, but I like Marvel post credits because they, mm-hmm. they kind of started it. And whereas I feel like when DC movies started doing that, it's like I don't have my own creativity. So I'm just kind of duplicate what someone else is. I completely agree that the payoff at the end, like if Billy had stayed dead, like let's just finish out these characters with an actual some type of integrity to Mm -hmm. some type of timeline and universe. And let's just let them die and whatever is restarted, start fresh. Give us comfort for the fans who actually want to go see the movies. Give us some type of confidence in what you're saying you're going to create. Because I do have confidence in James Gunn because I think he's, such an absolute writer director. I was excited when I 
heard that he was taking it over. But at the same time, I'm the polar opposite on the flash. I have no confidence in it. I would rather go in with minimal expectations Mm -hmm. and be just like overwhelmed. Like I just got an absolute payoff than to go in it with like, all right, they're going to steal this off right and be like, they just did it again. Because then I don't want to go to see the next one. Maybe I haven't seen Black Adam, the the post credit scene. You guys can help me out. The the characters coming to invite him to the Justice Society. I th- they were in Suicide Squad, I think, right? Yes. His version. The, were so they in Black Adam, and did the, they do Justice Society in Black Adam? Yes. And the fun fun fact here: the girl, the female, the blonde headed girl that was you know recruiting along with the big guy, that's James Gunn's wife. And the character some serious that- drama this week over that. <laughs> She plays the character Hardcourt. That character was introduced briefly in a smaller role in the Suicide Squad, but then her role was made a lot larger in the Peacemaker show because it was basically her and the big guy Mm -hmm. and a few others that were kind of forming a team around John Cena's Peacemaker. It is very interesting. You know, why are they still continuing to give us these post-credit scenes? Well, I guess we all know that his James Gunn's wife is still going to be in the new DCU. The more I learn about this reboot, the less faith, because they keep trying to grab things that they like from what they had before. Yeah. They're not making that clean. The more you learn, the the less confident, like you guys are talking, they're not going to make that clean break. And it's not going to make any sense. If you try to do this mishmash multiverse, we drop this, but we gain that, you're going to lose huge swaths of the general public. I mean, we might follow mm-hmm. that. Right. But- That's what they. I think that they're underestimating is if they keep Ezra Miller, for example – they will lose a huge chunk of their audience or that audience will be really negative on it. it either way, I, I don't think that that, but if they keep certain characters like you're saying, but then they obviously h- hired Henry Cavill in the fall, fired him when James Gunn was on board. And then the news came out that James Gunn was offered to write a Superman movie for DC years ago, said no. And now he's on board, but now it's not Henry Cavill. You can't pick and choose when the fans love Henry Cavill. It's, it's like declaring war. I, from a marketing brand business perspective, it's like, does DC just not? But I, I've, I've said this on my channel, and I, this is the crazy. I'm going to be wrong about this. I don't think that James Gunn's plan happens. I think something is going to happen to DC in the next two years because of the money situation, not because of <laughs> them bailing. I just think if I'm Warner Brothers, you got two Batman movies coming out in 2025. Something's not right about this plan. I, I don't know what it is, but... Uh, it's like you said, you, Robert Pattinson's Batman comes out and then James Gunn's Batman comes out. The common audience, that's just going to be confusing. In a lot of ways, yes, absolutely. And, and and we've talked about this on the show as well. I think it was on the episode that Dan was on. We were talking about the, the future DC slate. It is extremely like there's some odd decisions that were made there as far as what you're starting your universe off with. Characters and groups like the Authority, Creature Commandos, that kind of stuff. Well, I mean, it's animated, so it's a little bit different, I guess. But you want to start off with your most well-known, like Batman, Superman, bring the heat, baby. Bring Lantern. No wonder they're $50 in debt at Warner Brothers. Like. I don't get this. Like, are they just announced like, Batman? They're just mismanaging it so badly. It's like Discovery Warner wants Disney to come in and buy DC. Disney I have buys started all the to things. wonder that. Is the goal here to put a plan forward and then sell DC? I know that sounds crazy to people, but the move is to streaming anyway. So if you're Warner Brothers, you want everything streaming. DC doesn't really help you there. Why not sell a DC? I mean, you could get 15 billion almost probably. You could get a crazy number from 
Disney or Netflix or Apple. Apple could pay you whatever number you want. You could just Amazon say we want thirty billion, and Apple be like, "Well, we have fifty-eight billion in our back pocket. What would you want it in cash?" Like, <laughs> it's a lot more likely for Apple to buy them at this point because let me yeah. tell you guys, Disney is. I don't think they're in a position right now where they can yeah. purchase Warner. Oh because yeah, no. They're Amazon. still kind of recovering yeah. at this point. There, there's and, bad stuff yeah. going on at Disney. Yeah, yeah, a lot of bad stuff. That's why Iger was brought back in. And, you know, mm-hmm. Chapek made a lot of very poor decisions, not just yeah. financially, but bringing his friends on board. And then also the whole Scarlett Johansson situation, how that was handled. That was a nightmare. You appease your star. You don't let it go to court. You don't let the, yeah, the one of the core pictures. You just give her the money. Ridiculous. Just give her the money. And like half your fan base is already mad that you made them wait that long to get the solo Black Widow movie. They felt like you should have done it ten years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now yeah. it's in the media at least that you underpaid years her. prior. Yeah, yeah, give her the money. It was like a I, I don't get that at all. Like I think that management is a problem. But you're right. The more I think about it, Apple because they can play a different game. They can come in and say, it does not have to make a profit. Like we can buy DC and it doesn't have to make a profit. It doesn't really matter, which I, that scares me because Amazon did the same thing with Rings of Power. Like you you don't really want that in entertainment. I'd rather Warner Brothers make good DC movies, but yeah. something is weird at Warner Brothers because of the money. It's just Apple getting could, out of control. Apple could just want to put bat symbols and Superman emblems on iPhones. I mean, oh my gosh, that's actually genius. I didn't think about that just for the be to sell phone cases and to sell like AirPods with like the bat symbol on them. Oh yeah. yeah. That's That is a great idea. You might want to trademark that. that (laughs) Somebody needs to put that out there and say, give it a cut. We have gotten off topic, but I'll, I'll say this and get even more off topic. (laughs) When it comes to the streaming, I know that that seems like it's the future right now, and it still probably very well could be for the next five to ten years. But eventually, we're going to get to a spot where we were at in the late 80s or early 90s. Yeah, it's like going backwards. Because Mm -hmm. this stuff, you know, the reason it was so appealing to us all in the beginning is because it was so cheap, and Mm -hmm. it was really only Netflix was the only player in town. And, you know, it was kind of easier for them to acquire these big-name movies like The Dark Knight and yada, yada, yada. Well, now, you know, now that all these studios are getting involved, there's just a whole lot of money being pumped into this. Mm-hmm. And they're starting to see that there's really not that much. Like, you get the subscribers every month, sure. And once you get to Netflix numbers, yeah, there's profits to be right. made. And maybe you can make enough money to justify it. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. But Disney's the day, not. They're not making it. So the, Yeah, the theaters are where they make their money. Yeah. At, you know, and if they ever get away from that, it's going to suck for us as fans, not just them as studios, mm-hmm. but us as fans, because the budgets for films are going to go. Oh, yeah, the quality will change drastically on the big movies. Yep. And I'm already worried it is. I think we're already seeing that a little bit. because Probably so. Like uh, Marvel would be the first indicator, if anything, of anything changing. Star Wars just isn't doing movies. Like they're just yep. not doing them. And that's um, like you said, there's your proof right there. It's TV all the way in Star Wars land right now. When people say this, you know, like, are special effects really getting worse? I say this. Go back and watch the first Avengers film and look at how real the Hulk looks. We have not seen CGI on that level since that movie came out. At least, I don't, I'm don't. i not an Avatar fan. We may have gotten close in the Avatar movies, sure. But that CGI for the Hulk, anything that we've gotten from Marvel since then, has not looked nowhere near as good as that Hulk. 
there's actually some evidence to back up what you're saying because a lot of the VFX people left Marvel for Avatar after Avengers 1 because they've been working on it for seven or eight years. And so the Peter Jackson people got on board. He Cameron hired the Lord of the Rings people, which was genius because they were the first ones to really go through it. He brought back his Avatar people and he actually got people from Avengers 1. And so <laughs> when you look at the Hulk, it's, it's different people. Since yeah. then we've had... And so I agree with that. I think Avengers 1 Hulk is awesome. It's what I always wanted from Hulk. I was like, this is Hulk. He looks like a real person. Mm -hmm. Straight up. Yeah. yeah, we just got him in She-Hulk and he looks like... <laughs> oh, bad. My soul just left my body as you mentioned the great She-Hulk show, which <laughs> tore my life apart. Actually, I can't complain. My so, YouTube channel is built on She-Hulk's bones. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they call you the Bone Bridger. Yeah, that's why they do it. <laughs> so if you had to rate this film on a scale from 0 to 10, 0 being unwatchable in every way and 10 being perfect where would you guys put it we'll start off with you mr dan seven seven i'd watch it again it was funny okay that's a little bit higher than i expected from you what do you think daisy that's a little bit higher for me i i don't know i would watch it again i would watch it again i wouldn't go to the theaters and see it again uh but i would probably watch it again streaming or something so i'm gonna be around a five and six i'm going with dan i uh I think seven out of 10 only under the context of you have to know DC's ending and it's a Shazam movie. Yeah. If you go with that mindset, I think it's a seven. If you go out with saying this is part of the DC, whatever it's a zero out of 10, negative 55, <laughs> negative a hundred. I gave it a 6.5 because like I said, the first film to me was not as good as this second Shazam film. I gave this, the first one a 5.5. A but this one, I gave a 6.5. I, I thought it was fun. I went into it with very low expectations, so maybe that played a part as well. But I was shockingly surprised by the end of it. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of the actors and actresses. Lucy Liu is still Bay. Don't tell my wife. And, uh, yeah, that's what I think. Thank you for joining me. I know that Bone Bridger has a YouTube channel that is pretty awesome. And it's I'm full sure of debauchery like and terrible things. Don't go there. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you tell us where we can find you on YouTube? Just look for the sounds of the angry people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can just type in Bone Bridger, right? The Bone Bridger, and that pulls up the channel. He's got quite the following and a lot of views on there, too. So, uh, making a lot of really good content there. You can find me on TikTok, Instagram, at Real Comic Book Cinema. You can also find me on Facebook. Make sure you like, share, and subscribe. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your grandma. And until next time, have a good one.